Welcome to our main Multiple Lenses for Tefillah Education. This podcast series hosts a panel of tefillah educators led by Rabbi Svi Hirschfield in an invigorating discussion of how to make prayer relevant to young people. As our focus, we'll use a menu of educational goals developed by the Pardes Center for Jewish Educators, where each educator explores this episode's prayer through a lens of either connecting to God, developing a sense of Jewish community, or cultivating personal growth. We hope this podcast challenges you to improve tefillah education, and let us say, Amen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an exciting new podcast uh, on the issues of tefillah and tefillah education, uh, primarily towards day schools, but I think it, it's applicable to anybody who is out there praying or meet, being meet palel in a Jewish setting. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, goals and challenges and thoughts and ideas about uh, both uh, tefillah in general and particular tefillot uh, that we, we say, both in our own lives and in schools. So I am joined by two outstanding colleagues with me today, behind the mic and also in front of the mic today. Uh, we have Ruven Margaret, Rabbi Ruven Margaret, uh, and we also have the director of PCJE, Right? We have Aviva uh, Laura Goldberg with us as well. So they are both here to share insights and ideas and observations and thoughts and witty humor. Always. Always. Svi, can I ask you a question? Of course. When you say tefillah or tefillah education, what do you mean by tefillah? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because uh, we recognize that tefillah uh, can mean all sorts of things out there to people, ranging everything from spirituality and spiritual education all the way through the formal recitation of required prayers in a traditional prayer book. For our purposes here, we mean tefillah. We mean a prayer experience that is connected or rooted in either the siddur or uh, traditional Jewish text. So things like uh, you know, mindfulness meditation and other spiritual practices, which we think are terrific and great, excuse me, <clears throat> unless they are sort of incorporated or connected to some sort of recognizable tefillah practice, they're sort of outside our scope. Okay, but if, if we talk about a tefillah experience that includes both um, pieces of the liturgy and, let's say, meditation or yoga or art or midrash or any other that things like that, that will be okay. That yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, I think that falls within our understanding of, of tefillah education. Terrific. But we're also, you know, curious to hear from listeners and maybe get some pushback on that idea uh, and, and uh, you know, think about it or maybe even rethink it. So, uh, yes, Ruben. I mean, Svi, I know you've had a lot of experience uh, in this area, personally. Of podcasting, <laughs> you mean. <laughs> of tefillah and of tefillah education. Um why do we even need this podcast? Meaning, like, what are the challenges out there that tefillah, educate, tefillah educators face? Well, I will put that out since uh, uh, two people in this room, aside from myself, have actually done uh, tefillah education in schools. I'm going to put the question out to you first, and I'll also answer it myself. Uh, what do you think uh, the challenges that teachers are facing out there, that you have faced, or from what you have seen that others are facing uh, in terms of tefillah education? Well, I would be, first I'll just say, I would be remiss um, not to mention Dr. Susan Wall's 
um, description of tefillah in day schools, and I believe it is, uh, she, she would call it the Vietnam of Jewish day schools, which maybe today we're going to call, uh, I don't know, a different war that is lasting a really long time. But the you know, global warming. Yeah, the, the global, idea. that's a good one. The global warming um, of, of day schools. It's, yeah, it's something that, look, I think the first challenge is that when you ask someone, when you ask children to do something or you require them to do something that has to do with feelings, that has to do with spirituality, that is already going to be hard because you, you, you can't force feelings, right? You can't tell someone, love something. Yeah, you were saying that just the fact that there's an emotional content to tefillah or spiritual experience already makes it challenging to teach because uh, it's hard to schedule those things. It's hard to schedule. It's fraught. You know, there's a lot of... Um, Emotional um, emotions are hard. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's certainly high on the list. Ruvain, what are your thoughts? Um, I think, like a lot of education, you need to have clear goals. And I'm not sure that it's clearly defined what the goals of tefillah education are. So if you put a lot of young people in a room with a siddur, without a siddur, um, like what are, you, what, what are you hoping to achieve? Um, and I think because tefillah is something so ephemeral and it means so much to different people, it's really hard to kind of pin down what do we want students to experience, what do we want them to know, and we maybe conflate the two, and it's kind of a, a bit of a mess. And... I'd say another additional challenge layer on that is that a lot of schools or a lot of institutions hire people for their text teaching skills and not necessarily for their tefillah education skills. And I think it's a very different skill set. Um, and I think that's also part of why we want to do this podcast is to explore you know, some of those issues and to like, help unpack uh, what tefillah education could look like in a, in, a, in a practical way. Yeah, I mean, I would even say that a lot of schools don't hire people to be tefillah educators. There are very few schools, I think, that um, at least till now are thinking about it that way. They might have tefillah leaders, facilitators, police officers, I don't know, but there, there's very little time, at least in this many schools that we've seen, I think, that, um, that is set aside for teaching about tefillah. There's a lot, or, or experiencing what tefillah might, um, or let, let me say this, talking about what tefillah might um, give you or fulfill for you in when you experience it. There's time for tefillah. And in some schools, not even that. But there, there's time to do the thing, but not to learn about doing the thing. So that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge we're going to try to address, I guess. I think, uh, you know, another major challenge, of course, the language of the Sidur. The Hebrew is difficult. A lot of kids don't know what they're saying. A lot of adults don't know what they're saying or have never delved deeply into the text of the Sidur to figure that out. Uh, I think uh, the problem of role models. A lot of young people have not been around adults or other young people who are really into tefillah and get a lot out of it. So there's not even a sense of why do all this. And I think the broader culture, especially if our students are coming from homes where parents don't pray, 
very hard to make the case why uh, tefillah should be important to them if they, if, you know, the, the primary role models in their life are not engaged in tefillah. And then this brings back to the teacher in the room. As we know, there are a lot of teachers responsible for tefillah that they themselves don't have a deep relationship with tefillah, and therefore they're struggling for themselves in their own prayer lives. How are they supposed to role model or inspire kids uh, to deepen their tefillah life? And I think, uh, you know, there are these challenges and a lot of others, uh, but at the same time, uh, I just want to remind us all that if you look at... uh, Jewish life, if, you, if people don't find synagogue meaningful, we are taking off the table a primary place where people connect with Jewish community, with Jewish ideas, Jewish values. So to give up on tefillah, I mean, what does that mean then for the young Jewish adult going out there in the world who's, if their association with tefillah is negative, you know, what are we setting them up for when they try to find meaningful Jewish experiences or spiritual experiences uh, in the Jewish world? And also, I know Chief Rabbi Sachs, or former Chief Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs, has said that one of the research shows that if you go, if you have an active shul life, then you're going to live longer. Really? And that's a fact. Oh, gosh. Statistically. So, see, what, how did you go and, and address this? There's a lot of challenges, right? And I probably, a lot of our audience might be aware of some of the challenges, right, from their own perspectives. So what, what, what could be a framework for dealing with these challenges? So I think if we come back to goals, which you said earlier, that there are, uh, we of course, uh, here at Pardes, we have this lovely document that you can download uh, called the Pardes Tefillah Education Initiative. We actually have a whole Tefillah website uh, that you can access that has uh, different lesson plans and ideas for educating Tefillah, and it's a tremendous resource for you. And hopefully we'll, we'll point it out as we go along, as we cover certain Tefillah that are covered over there. But uh, for us, we felt very strongly that, as Ruben said initially, that goals are critical. And we actually posited a few different goal areas uh, that we felt were uh, primarily relevant in thinking about what one could get out of tefillah. Uh, And we broke them down primarily into uh, a relationship with God, building a relationship with God. Uh, Number two, uh, character education and developing uh, better midot for lack of a better term. And number three was this idea of connection to Jewish community and to Jewish peoplehood. Uh, And we attempted uh, in this document and other places to try to identify how the different filot that we are teaching could all point us in some way to one of those three uh, goals. And maybe that's a way to begin to thinking about how we would educate our filot and what kind of message we want people who pray, right, the mit palel to take away. I do want to say, um, Tzvi, first of all, we were all sitting around this table with a bunch of our colleagues coming up with these goals. And in fact, there are not only three, there are eight of them. Um, And you can go to tefillah.pardes.org, T-E-F-I-L-A-H dot pardes dot org. But uh, we're going to be, like you said, primarily focusing um, on those three, the community, the God, and the personal growth. Yes, by the God, I think we can assume we mean like the one. The God like, goal. The God, the God goal. goal. Got, it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So uh, we look forward then to uh, you joining us as we start to explore different tefillot and how we might uh, educate them and teach them uh, in the face of all these challenges. And if you're a Jewish educator listening, hopefully you'll feel more prepared and more empowered to uh, teach this tefillah to your own students. 
And we're also excited for you to chime in. Do you like the name for this podcast, Living on a Prayer? Do you like, We Haven't Got a Prayer? Or do you like, Pray Tell? Think about that. And even... <laughs> Man, pray tell is just awful. I want to say right now that I'm not going to go along with pray tell. That's all. That's all I have to say about that topic. Thank you. <laughs> For more resources on Tefillah education, go to tefillah, T-E-F-I-L-A-H dot pardes dot org. And for more great podcasts, visit elmad, E-L-M-A-D dot org. See you next time.